How are you, Nate? I am flipping great, Jerry Norton. <laughs> Good, you got your Flipping Genius Award. That's great. Awesome. Yeah, buddy. Thanks, thanks for sending that out to Bellingham, Washington. I love it. Been really inspired by you and and others like Face and Brent that are documenting yeah. your real estate journey. So thank you, thank you. You've changed our lives. You're welcome. Well, I want to go through and just uh, have you walk us through um, your journey. So you're out in Washington, correct? Yeah, north of Seattle, almost to the Canadian border. Uh, is your market anything like Seattle? Because Seattle had like 25 or 30% appreciation this past year. We're very similar. Yes, very similar. Seattleites come up here to get cheap houses because to them, a $600,000 house is like a deal, you know? You're doing deals there in your backyard? Yes, Okay. that's right. That's right. And how long ago did you get so, started? I was a teacher, a music teacher for 10 years. And I got started in real estate investing last April. Okay. And we did just over a quarter million dollars of wholesale in our first eight months, nice. thanks to your teaching. 128,000 of that was wholesaling on market properties. Yeah, there we go. Dude, that, is, that is so cool. I love that. That is amazing. And yeah. eight months, you did 250000 in in wholesale fees. Correct. Okay. And that, that does not include our first flip, which will sell this month and should make us about 80000 as our first flip. That was an on-market deal. I followed your uh, double dip strategy. Awesome. So you double dipped with the agent, you picked it up, but this one you kept and then you rehabbed it. What, what's your rehab budget on that one? The rehab budget on that one, 75 k It should net uh, around eighty k Nice. That's a home run deal right there. Um, yeah. Why did you choose to transition into fix and flip on that deal? What was your thought process on, on not just wholesaling it? Yeah, that's a great question. So the magic of marketing to tired landlords was that along the way, a, a not tired landlord who I actually knew from church responded to some of our marketing. And I found out he had a 30 man building crew. And so I formed a, a separate LLC with him to go flip some of the properties we source. So we transitioned from just being wholesalers to being able to partner with a guy who has a great system in place to flip some of our own properties. So I don't swing a hammer. I just yeah. go out and acquire. So that's amazing. I'm really excited to see you transition into fix and flip. I'm just such a big believer in that model because uh, what happens is, is a lot of times as wholesalers, we, we tend to stay in our lane so well that we pass up and we pass off these amazing deals that can make right. you know five times as much as wholesaling it. And a lot of the reason why wholesalers don't transition is just because they get intimidated about financing, they get intimidated about managing a rehab or just the unfamiliarity of it. And so yeah. they tend to pass up on these amazing deals. I kind of I kind of approach the business, Nathan, like or Nate, like uh, you know, if I can keep the home run deals that are making 80 grand, like the one you're doing, or more, keep those deals, be very selective, be very picky fix and flip some of those. And then everything right. else that's not quite a home run, pass that off to that other flipper who's okay to make 20, 25, 30 or whatever. Pass those ones off, make the, make the quick 10, 15, 20 assignments, and then keep those home run deals for yourself. What happens is, is you'll all of a sudden you'll blow up your business to a seven figure profit business very quickly doing that. And the other thing that I think will do that for us this year, Jerry, and I uh, is uh, and I learned this from you and others, but the who, not how, and learning to trust my business partner to run the admin and the dispo side of things. Because yeah. I was trying to make him, I was trying to make him as good at acquisitions as me last year, and I was getting depressed and angry and whatnot. But then <laughs> learning to do who, who, not how, and let go, 
and trust him to be a badass at what he's good at and let me just focus on acquisitions has been life-changing as well. Yeah. So it comes back to that team, right? Getting the right butts and the right seats, getting the right people. You know, I used to think when I first started that nobody could do it as good as me. Nobody cared yeah. as much as me. Or then, I, And then I transitioned to think, well, if I could get somebody else to do it 80% as good as me, that's good enough because at least I don't have to do it. And even that was a bad mindset. It really should be, you know, there are people that can do their particular job, whatever it yeah. might be, way better than I could. And then when you put those people all together on your team, next thing you know, you're no longer the bottleneck to growth and you just explode. So I think you're, right. like you're experiencing right. it. Yeah, it's it's I almost cried. I was down at Pace's um, uh, mastermind in uh -huh. December. Thank you so much for all your collaboration with those guys. It's it's actually life transforming, not just what you guys say, but to see how you guys work together. Yeah, has changed how I do business up here in the Pacific Northwest. So thank you for that too. You're welcome. But yeah, yeah it, I I teared up at that event when I realized the freedom of learning to trust my partner in that at that new capacity. You know, it was pretty amazing. Let's do a, a quick breakdown on maybe one of your on market and then maybe one of your off market. A favorite on market right now is actually a deal sure. it is our second flip. And it was on market with an agent who we lost out. He went with two, uh, two other offers before he came back to ours. But what was magical about it was I offered him 390 cash. It's a little three bedroom, one bath house, very close to my house here in Bellingham. Offered him 390 cash or 425 if he would carry the mortgage for seven months while we rehabbed it. And so he took 425, we'll put 65 in and we'll probably resell it for 615 for right around 85K on that one as well. But I put three grand of my own money into that deal because we brought in another investor for the down payment. Okay, so you brought in an investor for the down and then did you borrow funds for the rehab? On the rehab, um, my partner who has the building crew, he's actually gonna float those funds since okay, it's such so a short you, turnaround. So his part of the partnership is he's gonna... He's probably going to keep his costs low with his guys, yep. and he's going to and he's going to fund that cost of the rehab. That's right. That's Man. right. So think about this, guys. Nate's doing these strategic alliances, which is allowing him to now do deals with no money, do bigger deals with no money, do more deals with no money. Oftentimes, we let money like slow us down in this business when really you don't need to have all this money. You don't even need to borrow all this money. Sometimes those partnerships can solve that. And, and not only are you now growing your team, growing your business, you're also bringing in strategic partners that can, can not just bring a skill set, but also bring funding to the deal. And uh, so that's really exciting to kind of open up that world and be able to do so much more and so much bigger. Very cool. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that was an on market. You asked for an off market. Um, when we first got started, I was doing some mailers. I think I was using Deal Machine or something like that, looking yeah. for tired landlords. And I uh, was able to buy, I uh, was manifesting that I would get my first rental property last year by December and was able to buy my first duplex on seller terms with a tired landlord. It's about a half million dollar property. So we put 10% down and then we were able to negotiate to get the payment to be about half the cost of the rents. So it cash flows in an appreciating market, which feels like a unicorn to me up here in the Pacific Northwest. So was that one a seller finance, not a sub two, right? That's right. Seller finance. Okay. He owned so, it outright. Yeah. Okay. So we own it free and clear. So guys, remember with creative financing, if the seller owns the property free and clear, you'll do seller financing or owner carry or owner financing. What that means is it means since there's no underlying loan, the seller will actually be the lender and finance that project or that property 
and you said you did 10% down. So sometimes you can yeah. structure these with like zero down, five, 10. Um, I find that if you if you can get anywhere 10% or, or lower or less, uh, super home run because you know a bank on an investment property is going to want 20, 25, 30% down, right? So, right. and you're going to have to go through all of the brain damage of trying to get qualified. Whereas the seller just do it with a straight 10. Um, do you remember your interest rate with the seller? Must've been pretty good. I think it's 4%. Yeah. So at a 10% down, which isn't very much, then a 4% loan with that seller. Exactly. 1,620 bucks a month mortgage and then uh, 3,300 a month in, in rents. Yeah. So for, for very little investment, you just created a cash cow on a rental property that is appreciating over time. The It's yep. cash flow. You're paying down the equity, all of that. So paying down the, the That's uh, right. loan. So you, you depreciation, don't forget depreciation. Depreciation is a huge one. In fact, you're going to hit a point here probably soon where the depreciation is the number one factor in your investing. As a flipper, you're, you're making ordinary income. So you're at, you're at the highest tax bracket, which is great. Right. Uh, I mean, I'd rather make money and pay taxes than not make money and not pay taxes, but uh, totally. any kind of write-off is a, is a big deal. So that's awesome. Well, and there's one more thing worth sharing. Remember, guys, I was a teacher for 10 years, so it's not like I had a giant W-2 and a big bank account to buy these things. So and we taught one of our neighbors that he could use his self, he could take his IRA and turn it into a self-directed IRA. Yeah. And so he did the majority of the down payment on that duplex. So he gets a little piece of it when we sell. So he gets an interest rate and then a little piece of it when we sell. And so I literally had $10,000 into that deal to buy a half a million dollar duplex that cash flows. Yeah. So that's a great strategy. In fact, most of my private investors that fund my deals yeah. are IRA people with 25, 50, 75, a hundred thousand in an IRA. I show them how to self-direct it and now they okay. can lend it to me on deals. And if you think about it, anybody who's worked in corporate America for 10 years or longer probably has money in an IRA that's not really earning them much. And you can show them right. how to self-direct it, lend it on your deals and now start paying them, you know, 8% or 10% or whatever. In your case, you also gave them a piece of equity on the back end. So now you've, right. you've sweetened the pot even more for that person. So again, you're just using a lot of creative strategies here to raise money to do these deals. Super yep, That's right. And the analogy for me, for anybody who hasn't bought their first rental property, I don't know if you've ever read that book, um, it's called The Call of the Wild by Jack London, but there's yeah. a scene where the sled dog has to get the sled that's frozen in the ice in the Alaska Iditarod broken out and moving forward. And his first job is just to break those the trace the, the metal sled out of the ice so he can get moving. That's what I felt like the first duplex was, was like, I just got to freaking get moving, even if this isn't the perfect purchase and get something uh, bought so we can get some momentum going. Yeah, but you put together a, a winner because if you're creating... You're creating around what 15, 1600 in, in positive cash flow on that deal? Pro probably closer to nine after CapEx yeah, okay. and all the other. Yeah, yeah. 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 But I mean, well, it is a duplex, so that's great. But typically, um, we have a threshold where if we can create anywhere around 400 positive cash flow, who cares okay. what the payment is? Who cares what the purchase price is? Who cares about any of that? It's the cash yeah. flow that makes it a deal. And if you guys aren't really into buy and hold, by creating that deal, you can now assign those for premiums to other investors that want zero to low down deals like that. So those are very easy to, to wholesale too.
wholesaling a seller finance or sub two. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So if you ever get one, Nate, where you're like, you know what? I don't really like, I don't really want this one. It's not in an area I want. It's too far away or whatever. You can then create a really nice wholesale out of that contract, that that creative financing contract. A strategy that uh, Cody Sperber taught me that I love is what he'll do is he'll do the acquisition on creative. So he'll get the deal on creative. Mm -hmm. And then what he'll do is he'll take it a step further and he'll put a lease option buyer in and he'll get that lease option buyer to put 10 or 15,000 down. Then he'll keep the option fee and then he'll go to the cash buyer he wholesales it to and says, hey, you don't even have to pay me. I've already been paid. Take this deal and now it's yours. And then he's out of the deal, doesn't have to deal with tenants and any of that because he doesn't want that because he created his own assignment fee basically out of the option down payment fee. So here's how it would work. Let's use some numbers. So you get a great deal for 100,000. And let's just say to keep it simple, let's say it's a zero down. Uh, Let's even call it a sub two. So you got a zero down sub two for 100,000. You then, before you assign it to anybody, you then put in a lease option tenant. So that tenant's going to now start paying, let's say 1,500 a month. They're going to give you a 10,000 down option fee. And they're going to be, they're going to have a two-year option for let's say 140,000 and you take that 10,000 or 15,000 option fee and keep it. But now you don't want the deal because you don't want to deal with a tenant. You then go to buy and hold investor over here and you say, Hey, I got this great deal. Uh, It's a zero down deal. You can have it. You don't have to pay me for it. I've already, (laughs) I've already been paid. Here it is. And they'll take that deal and run with it Uh, and you're out. Amazing. Because you kept the option. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it is. So you can do some really fun stuff like that. Basically, whatever you can think of creatively and you can put it down in writing, you can do it. You know? <laughs> That's so Nate, great, uh, really exciting. What's next for you? Where what are your goals this year, 2022? What are you hoping to accomplish? Well, in our in our uh, flipping business, our goal is 30 flips this year, which feels like a lot. Um, and it's a good stretch goal, but I think we're gonna hit it. We we're on target right now to hit it. And then uh, like 80 grand a month in wholesale fees. Um, I also found a partner who's going to start paying the, um, ad spend so that we can get our PPC cranked back up again. So again, you can do creative with creative partnerships that way too, right? It doesn't even have to be all your own money on that. So he's going to get in exchange for his six grand a month and PPC, he's going to get first shot at those PPC, um, deals as a buyer, as a buyer. Yep. And then if he doesn't want them, we'll, we'll go wholesale them or, or buy them ourselves. So so I'm excited to get that cranked up and then to start in Northern Idaho as well. So it's a new market for us where my partner moved to. And uh, I want to try and figure out the short-term rental game and see if we can do something profitable with that in North, North Idaho. Okay. So you got some big goals this year and you're, and you're running with it. So you got some goals for, to do some fix and flips. You want to keep doing the assignments. What I love about that strategy, Nate, is, is if you follow kind of my technique, which it sounds like you are, then you get choosy, you pick the home runs for the fix and flips, you wholesale out everything else. Reason why that's such a winning strategy is because when you do marketing, you get everything that comes in. And sometimes sometimes those deals are marginal that aren't worth taking on, right? You wanna be very selective because fix and flip takes up bandwidth. It takes up capital, it takes up some time, even with partners, it's still, you're owning property, right? And you're, you're carrying property. You don't want to be taking on any any deal. You want to be very picky about those deals being really home run deals and then wholesale out all the others. So I, I think that strategy of a combo is very powerful because you're going to really maximize your, your lead gen. 
And then you're, it sounds like you're going to throw in a third one, which might be, hey, let's keep some of these for some buy and holds. Maybe those are your creative ones that make sense and you got good spreads. You keep those ones for, for uh, your buy and hold portfolio. Yeah. Do you, do you do anything with short-term rentals, Airbnb, anything like that? Yeah. So in the rental space, um, I'm not a super big fan of a long-term rental. I've got some. It's just not my thing. I don't get too excited about it. The problem I have is I know how to flip on such a high level you know, a two or three hundred or four hundred dollar a month cash flow just doesn't excite me. I know there's all the other benefits, but the negative side of rental property ownership doesn't outweigh the couple hundred dollars a month in cash flow. I can just go flip a house and make fifty grand, and it'll blow away. You know, ten rentals. <laughs> well, you co- you you Costa Rica your tax liability, so yeah, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico, yeah, your, Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico yeah, that's your tax the other liability. thing. <laughs> if you're if you're not if you're not doing Puerto Rico and you start making good money. You have to, there's no way around it. You have to create depreciating assets um, because yep. otherwise you're going to end up in the 50% tax bracket and you don't want to work for the government six months of the year. It's just not worth it. So No, so. I wanted to share one last thing, Jerry. Um, watching what you've done with um, the on-market um, stuff, whether you're flipping it or wholesaling it was really inspiring. And so basically I just came up with a system internally for ourselves so that our V, my VA basically schedules those appointments for me. So she goes and finds the flippable properties, schedules with the agent, gets their phone number, researches the agent's phone number. Um, I used to have her pull comps. I don't anymore because she wasn't doing a very good job of it. Yeah. But that way I just wake up each morning and I've got three or four um, appointments with agents with, with rough properties. And it's, it's awesome. Yeah. You know, what's great about that is that that part of it can very easily be systematized with a VA. Because mm-hmm. you can set up these automated searches. It's going to pull up those distressed listings. A lot of times that agent information is not readily available. So you got to go Google and find them. So that's something the VA can do. I struggle too with the VA being able to comp properties. But what I will have them do is load it into my deal analyzer and get all the information ready. And then I just yeah. come in, pull it up. It's there. Do a quick comp myself. And, I'm, and I got the number and I'm ready to call or, or my uh, acquisitions is ready to call. So uh, yeah. Yeah, that that removes a lot of time-consuming steps, and then it you're does. And I have on one phones doing the high level. Exactly. And one one quick question: Is there anything you hold back from us in those YouTube videos in terms of how you incentivize your listing agents? I know the double dip strategy, which is beautiful, and some agents don't want to go for that, or they'll say pass you off on their partner or whatnot. But is there anything else you do, like, hey, if I flip this, I'll relist it with you? Or what are the ethical and good ways that you've done to really build long-term relationships with agents that actually keep bringing you back stuff? Because I hear you talk about that, but maybe I just haven't seen the video where you've shown a deal where agents are bringing that back. You've been doing it a lot of years. I think that'll happen for me. I just hasn't I haven't hit that stride yet. It sounds very appealing to offer that that listing agent in addition to double dipping, where they're getting now double commission on the buy, to also let them represent on the resale, that would be a very huge incentive. That would probably win over some some friends. But the problem is, is not all distressed listing agents make good retail listing agents. And so I've run into some problems with that where it works, it really works to get the deal, but then I regret doing that because they're not a good listing agent for retail. And mm-hmm. I don't typically like to pay 3% on my list. What I do is I, I try to build a, a solid agent relationship in that market. And then I bring them volume, which is you have a goal of 30 flips. I want that same listing agent on all 30 flips in that market because then mm. they'll look at volume and they'll give me 
a really good rate on the listings. Like they'll do them for almost free. They'll do them for a thousand bucks, 1500 bucks just to cover their cost because now they're getting 30 listings, which 30 listings turns into a ton of business because now they're getting sign calls. They're getting buyers that buy other properties. They're getting their name out there. They're getting on, they're getting all these properties on their website. It's massive for a listing agent to get all of your listings. So I'd rather create that relationship on my back end than offer to, to double dip and give them the listing. So I try to stay sure. away from that. Really more than anything is it's all about the follow-up. So what I found, Nate, is you start calling these agents, right? And what I found happens is I'll do the double dip technique. They'll get excited about it. Maybe we get a deal done. And then you know two months will go by. And then I'll see that agent with another distressed listing. And I'll call them up and I'll be like, dude, why didn't you call me? And they're like, oh yeah, I forgot about you. Well, that was just terrible on both sides, right? Like I wasn't staying in touch with that agent. They forgot about me and didn't call me. So what we do is we have a, we have a very strong drip campaign with all of our agents. Once you make that initial contact, you want to put them in a database of agents and you want to, what I call stay in front of them, which means every week you're texting, you're emailing, you're saying, Hey, remember me? I'm a cash buyer. I'm looking for deals. What do you got? What do you got? What do you got? Call me when you get a deal. Let me have a shot at it before you list it. I'll let you represent me. You keep having that dialogue and you stay in front of them. It may be six months later, but they're going to get another distressed property. And you want them to think, Nate, Nate's the guy I got to call. Nate's my guy. And the only way to really do that effectively, I found, is to just constantly stay in front of those agents. Yeah, it's good. Yep. You'll find that that'll work really well for you because the goal is never, I say this a lot, the goal is never the deal in hand with an agent. It's always repeat business in that long-term relationship. You want to do a dozen deals with that agent over the next couple of years, not just the one that you're calling them about. And that's something your VAs can do. You can give them some very simple scripts and you build out that list. Every time you talk to another one, you add them to your list and then they just get emails every other day or once a week or whatever and text and stay in front of them. Just like you're following up with your distressed sellers or cash buyers, you do the same thing with agents. Any questions for Nate about anything he's doing? Guys, you can put that in the chat, see if you got any questions. Also, make sure you tell Nate that he's a flipping genius. Keep up the great work. (laughs) Put in the chat, Nate, you're a flipping genius. Exciting to see your business explode in year one like that. That's really amazing. Yeah, Crazy. that's great. I mean, you've probably like super blessed. You probably like quadrupled your income as a as a music teacher and yeah, that's right. Two months, you know. <laughs> it's totally true. Nathan said you're a dipping genius. I think he meant dipping genius. That that works, you know. <laughs> My bad. Double dipping. I I was right. <laughs> Double dipping genius. That's what he meant. Double, Double dipping, dipping genius. genius. There you go. Double dipping <laughs> just, genius. That's right. He just created a new hashtag for your next YouTube episode. <laughs> Yeah, that's for sure.